All right, Genesis chapter 29, beginning with verse number 16. Genesis chapter 29, beginning with verse number 16. If you're there, say amen. Genesis 29, verse number 16. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes was delicate. Rachel was beautiful and well-formed in appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel very much. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, Is it better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man? So stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of his great love for her. Verse number 31. Go down to verse number 31. Verse number 31. And the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. And he opened the womb, her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son and called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord has looked on my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was unloved, he therefore has given me a son. She called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time... My husband will be attracted to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son or bore a son and said, Now this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and she stopped bearing. Just for a few moments this morning, I want to preach on the battle of the brides. The battle of the brides. Somebody shout. The battle of the brides. All right, the battle of the brides. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship you. I pray that as we endeavor to open the word up and as I minister your word, that you would anoint me, that the words that I would speak may become words of wisdom, words of love to your people, and that it may pierce the hearts of those that hear it, and we won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone shouted a great big amen. A few years ago, there was a study done. Uh, the Gallup Poll of America did a study. And they wanted to know what got on people's nerves every day. They didn't need to do the study. I could have just told them. You know? <laughs> they wanted to know what got on people's nerves every day. What aggravated people on a daily basis. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I could give them a list all by myself. They wanted to find out what got on people's nerves, why were people aggravated, or what caused aggravation and frustration in the hearts of people. Now, the answers were numerous, and the answers were uh, diverse at the very best. Uh, one of the answers they said that people said that aggravated them was slow drivers. They just couldn't stand slow drivers. Another thing that aggravated people was standing in a line that does not move. That aggravates people. Or people coming to a halt on the highway to watch an accident. That aggravated people as well. People who are always late. That got on some people's nerves. And one of the, one of the reasons that, one of the top reasons why people got upset was they said they would put money in a Coke machine and nothing comes out. That aggravated people. 
And I thought about that answer. Why in the world would people feel aggravated by putting money in a Coke machine and nothing comes out? And then I thought to myself, well, it's because nobody wants to feel cheated in life. Nobody wants to feel as though they've lost something in life. No matter how insignificant it is, or no matter how small it is, nobody wants to feel like they've been cheated out of 50 cents or a dollar. Would I, can I hear an amen? And uh, we don't want to feel like we've been cheated. Well, we are proposed with a story this morning of two women, two brides. Now, I am so glad that things have changed in America because this would not work in the modern family today. Can I hear an amen? Two women fighting over one man. It just, it just would not work nowadays. Unless you watch, um, what's that movie on TLC, huh? Sister Wives. Unless you're involved in that, you know, it, it probably wouldn't work. Can I hear an amen? But I don't think that um, I could probably take care of six or seven women um, and all their needs, but uh, more power to them, I guess. But let's just move on. So the battle of the brats. <laughs> Two women, Leah and Rachel. Now, the Bible says that Leah was not uh, blessed with good looks. You know, she was having trouble in the looks department, while Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. In other words, Leah had to babysit all the kids while Leah went out on the dates. Leah had to stay home. Nobody invited her out. Nobody wanted to take her out to eat. Nobody wanted to take her out on a date. Leah was not blessed in the looks department. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew translation of the eyes, actually, the Hebrew translation means crooked. So she had crooked eyes. So when you looked at Leah, she looked crooked in the eyes. And uh, Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. So you have two women here. Leah was not blessed with good looks, and Rachel was blessed with great looks. And so... Laban here falls in love with a woman by the name of, or excuse me, Jacob falls in love with a woman by the name of, uh, of Leah. And Jacob, the Bible says, worked seven years just to be with Rachel. And then on his honeymoon night, he is surprised that he gets somebody else. He gets Leah. Now, I want you to think about this story. Here is a man who comes to work for a man by the name of Laban. He's working for Laban in the field. As Jacob is working in the field, he falls in love with Rachel. And so he goes to daddy and says, hey, I like your daughter. Can we work out a deal here? The daddy said, okay, I'll tell you what, you, you work for me seven years and I'll give you Rachel. The Bible says he worked seven years and it only seemed like a day, a couple days, because he loved her that much. And then something odd happened. The night that they went to consummate their marriage, he wakes up the next morning and finds out it is not Rachel that Laban gave him. It was actually Leah. Now, I've read this story all my life, and I've, I have just really been perplexed about this story. How in the world can you get the wrong girl? I just, just how can you get the wrong girl? Well, up on further investigation, Pastor David. I mean, this, I mean, I read this. I said, God, please don't let this happen to me, Jesus. Please don't, because I've waited a long time, Lord. Don't let this happen to me. Thank God for electricity. Because back then, 
They didn't have electricity. So it was the custom of women to veil themselves very heavily. Okay? And on the night of the honeymoon, he would unveil her. But the problem was there is no electricity. It's nighttime, so he didn't really know what she looked like in the face. Till the next morning, he discovered it is actually Leah instead of Rachel. And so he was deceived. He goes back to his father-in-law and says to his father-in-law, how can you do this to me? I worked seven years for Rachel, and you give me Leah. And, the, and you know, Laban says, I forgot to tell you, that in our custom, I have to give away the oldest first. And Leah's the oldest. So if you really want Rachel, you've got to work seven more years. So guess what happens? He goes and works seven more years to get Rachel. But let's stop here. He works seven more years to get Rachel. So he's actually worked 14 years to be with the woman he loves. But while he is working to get Rachel, he is still married to Leah. That's a very perplexing story. Let me explain that to you one more time. He works 14 years just to be with Rachel, the beautiful girl whom he loves. But he is still married to Leah for seven years. Now, if anyone had a right to feel as though life has given them lemons, it's probably Leah. If anybody feels as though life is not going the way that it was planned, it's probably Leah. How many would agree with Pastor Josh that Leah was dealt the wrong end of the stick, so to speak? Leah has been dealt the wrong deck of cards. Leah is married to a man who actually loves her sister. Now that probably wouldn't work up in Galena, would it? He is out there working for seven years to get Rachel, but in the meantime, guess what he's doing? He's going to the field, he's working, he comes back home, and he is sleeping with Leah. Leah's cooking for him. Leah's being a wife to him, but yet his heart is pledged to Rachel. He's getting up every morning to go work for his father-in-law so he can have Leah's sister. Now, if that is not a soap opera, I don't know what is. That is a soap opera. Here is a man who is deeply in love with Rachel, the beautiful girl, but in the meantime, he's still married to Leah, and Leah is still his wife. If anybody felt as though they have been cheated and they have been dealt the wrong deck of cards. My brothers and sisters, it is Leah. Leah had every right to feel as though she was unloved. Leah had every right to deal with insecurity. Leah had every right to wrestle with the feelings of, I'm not feeling loved by my husband. Because he actually loves my sister. But yet I have to be his wife. I can just see Leah now washing the dishes. Tears.
dripping into the soap water. Thinking to herself, I'm not the most beautiful girl. I'm not the most attractive woman. But at least I can provide a home for him. At least I can give him children. My sister's womb, Rachel, is barren. I can give him something that Rachel can never give him. Rachel is barren. Rachel will never be able to give him children, but yet I am the one that's giving him children. I'm the one that's cooking for him. I'm the one that's providing a home life for him and our babies. And yet, he has the audacity to love another woman. That's what Leah is struggling with. And I probably would have to sympathize with Leah a little. I, I, I can see Leah's point here. I know it was the custom and the culture for a man to have multiple wives. That was not unheard of in the Old Testament. But you've got to understand the heart and the feeling of Leah here. Leah says, I know I feel unloved because the Bible says in verse number 31, Genesis 39 verse 21, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, unloved by who? Her husband. He opened her womb but shut the womb of Rachel. So Leah began to have children. So the Lord knew that Leah felt unloved. It is not a secret that Leah was struggling with these feelings of not feeling like she's a loved and she's not being accepted. Now, let me just stop here and say this, that you read this story, you can really see yourself in here because all of us have faced times in our life that we have felt unloved by people. There are times in our life that we didn't, ex we didn't feel accepted by people. And what do we do when we feel unloved by people? What do we do when we don't feel accepted and secure by people? The very first thing that we do is we try to produce something to get their attention. People who are insecure will always try to produce something to try to make you like them. And that can wear you out. She's very insecure. She feels unloved. She feels unaccepted. She feels like she needs to give up. And so Leah comes up with a plan. Oh, Leah has a plan here. She obviously has a plan, and she's going to fix this problem, isn't she? Number one, Leah longs for love. And to fix this problem, and there is nothing wrong with longing for love, because every person desires to be loved, and every person desires to love. That's within us. But the problem here is that Jacob don't love her. And it's exhausting to try to get somebody's attention, to try to produce something so somebody will love you when in essence they don't even love you. And so here is the situation. Leah feels so unloved. And so she thinks to herself, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have these babies 
and I'm going to get his attention. And the Bible says in Genesis 29, verse 32, Leah starts to have children. She conceives and she bears the first child. And the Bible says she names him Reuben because she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Do you see the cry of Leah? Leah's like, surely my husband will love me now because I'm giving him something that Rachel will never give him. Go ahead and let him work for seven years. And when he works seven years and gets my sister, he will find that she is barren and I was the one that produced and gave him an offspring. You can see the battle of the heart. You can see the battle of the mind. You can see the struggle of the heart. And so she has the first child and she names him Reuben. And you know what Reuben means in the Hebrew? Reuben is the word raha, which means this, approval or consider. So in other words, she had the first baby and she said, surely this time he will approve of me and this time he will consider me. And isn't that what insecure people do? They long to be accepted. There's nothing wrong with that. They long for people to consider them. The problem is, her attention was going in the wrong focus. So she produces a baby, and guess what? Nothing really happens. He gets up, goes to work, works for Rachel, and never really pays attention to Leah's heart. He's not paying attention to her affection and her longing for love and so Leah comes up with another plan she says what I'm going to do now I'm going to give birth to another baby because that's what we do when somebody don't love us somebody don't like us we just keep on producing to get their attention so she has another baby verse 33 then she conceived again and she bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard I was unloved, He has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So here again, she's saying, now, this is just not a problem I've come up with. This is a problem the Lord is aware of. The Lord knows I'm unloved. The Lord knows that I don't feel loved by my husband. And so she has another baby and she's hoping in the second baby that maybe Jacob will wake up and give me a little bit of love. I mean, come on, I know I'm not the most beautiful girl. I know I'm not blessed with attractive looks, but hey, come on, give me some credit here. I'm giving you some babies. Can't you find a little love for me? Because she gets in and she gives him another baby, don't she? The Bible goes on to verse number 34. She has a third baby, Genesis 29, verse 34. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time, now get what she's saying here. She's saying, Pastor David, surely, I mean surely, my husband is going to wake up Surely my husband is going to pay attention to me. 
I'm giving him three babies. Come on, dude. Now this time, now this time my husband will be attracted, joined to me. She called his name Levi. And the word Levi in the Hebrew means to unite to. Unite to. Is that right? Unite to. So she's thinking to herself, my first baby is Reuben. Surely he's going to approve of me. Surely he's going to consider me. My second baby is Simeon, which means to listen to. I think I might have skipped that, didn't mean to, but to listen to. And the third baby is Levi, which is to unite to. So she's having all of these babies thinking to herself, Jacob will approve of me. Jacob will consider me. Jacob will listen to me. Jacob will unite to me. Jacob will listen to me. Surely, Jacob will listen to me. And yet, isn't that the story of our lives, ladies and gentlemen? How many of us desire the approval and the affection of other people, and yet it's at no avail? We try so hard for people to love us. We try so hard for people to pay attention to us. And yet, we become exhausted and trying to produce something to try to make people like us and accept us so we can fit in the group and we can feel apart. And it's wonderful to feel apart. And it's wonderful to be a part of the group. And it's wonderful to feel loved and accepted. There's nothing wrong with that. But ladies and gentlemen, if that is your main source of love in your life is the approval of other people, you will be sorely disappointed in life. If you're waiting for somebody to say the right words, if you're waiting for somebody to pat you on the back, if you're waiting for somebody to approve of you, that may never happen. It may never happen. And yet Leah is feeling in her heart done it not the most beautiful girl but I've provided him a home I've provided him with a life I've given him three babies I do the laundry I do the dishes I cook a hot meal when he comes home and he doesn't have the audacity to pay attention to me doesn't have the audacity to understand that my heart is yearning for love and my heart is aching to be accepted by my husband. Is there anything wrong that I want to be loved by my husband? Is that, is that is there a crime against that? Absolutely not, Leah. But sometimes the people that's closest to you will be the people that will hurt you the most. Because isn't that what sin is? Sin is selfishness. And sometimes even in relationships, we can be selfish. Husbands can be selfish. Wives can be selfish. Marriage doesn't fix the problem of the human heart. Marriage teaches us that when you live together in a covenant relationship, it teaches you to be selfless. Yet Jacob hasn't learned that lesson. And so Leah finds herself at a 
paradox at a crossroads. And Leah doesn't know what to do, so guess what Leah does? Leah has another baby. That's <laughs> what she does best. So she just gets in the bed and has another baby because she says, surely, I'm giving him all these. And you know what she's thinking to herself? She says, this is what Leah's thinking. Leah's thinking, surely if I have Reuben, Simeon, and Levi, if I have three crying babies with me, he surely is not going to leave me for Rachel. How can a man walk out the door and be with another woman and he's left me with three babies? Isn't that what Levi means to unite to? Surely he'll be united to me. He'll stay with me. This whole idea of Jacob being married to two women, it, Leah's struggling here. Maybe she could have worked with the system if Jacob would have loved her. But yet, it's ironic. And listen to me, listen to me. Listen, Pastor Josh, it's ironic that Leah was placed in a bedroom on the honeymoon night because she had to follow her daddy's orders. Jacob was deceived by his father-in-law. So you have Jacob who was deceived and Leah who had to obey her father. They were both placed in a situation that they didn't ask for. And sometimes in life, we are placed in situations we didn't ask for, we didn't dream of it, we didn't ask for the pain, we didn't ask for the rejection, we didn't ask for it, but it happened. And you've got to learn, just, just because you are in a situation you didn't ask for, you've got to learn how to deal with it correctly or it will destroy you. You could say all you want, but pastor, I didn't ask for it. Leah didn't ask for it either. Jacob didn't ask for it either. They were, in essence, both deceived. And sometimes we're placed in situations we didn't ask for, we didn't even know it was coming, but you have to learn how to respond correctly to the things that happen in your life. Because you can't change everything that happens to you, sometimes you've got to change your response to the situation. I'm going to say that again. You can't change everything that happens to you, but you can change your response to the situation. I'm going to say that again. You can't change everything that's happened to you. I know what they did to you was wrong. You can't go back and change that. But you can change yourself. You can change your response. And so, the last baby she has in verse number 35, Genesis 29, verse 35, and she conceived again and bore a son, and said, now this time will I praise the Lord. And she named him Judah. Now we all know what Judah means. Judah in the Hebrew means praise. Alright? Now I want you to look at verse number 35 one more time. Genesis 29 verse 35. Genesis 29 verse 35. And she conceived again, bore a son, and said, now this time I will praise the Lord. And she called his name Judah. Do you see the paradox here? She had the first baby. And she says, I feel so unloved. I just want my husband to love me. She has the second baby. She says, I feel so unloved. I want my husband to love me. 
She has the third baby. She says, I'm so unloved. I want my husband to love me. And she had a change of heart. She said, I'm going to have one more baby, but this time I'm not going to have the baby for my husband. I'm going to have the baby for the Lord, and I'm going to praise the Lord this time because my self-seeking approval of my husband is not working. My husband is not paying attention. My husband doesn't love me. My husband hasn't given me one ounce of love since I've been giving him all these babies. So I'm going to change the way I think about this, and I'm not going to go after the approval of people. I need the approval of God. God is the one that I need. And so she has the last baby, and she says, This time, I'm going to praise the Lord. My God, can you all just clap your hands there and say amen? She says, This time. She says, I'm changing the way I think about it, and I'm going to bless the Lord in my pain. You see, she understood something, that even though I was hurting, even though my husband hurt me, even though my husband is not paying attention to me, in my pain, I'm going to bless the Lord. In my pain, I'm going to acknowledge God. It's interesting to me, that Jehovah, in the Hebrew, actually, the word Jehovah is a corrupted word in the Hebrew. His name is actually not Jehovah. We really don't know what his, his name is El, or Elohim, Yahweh, but Jehovah, we've added, we've added the vowels there because we certainly don't know. We're just assuming it's Jehovah. But what we do have is Yod, Hey, Vey, Hey. That is what we do have of the word Jehovah, or God. Now, if you look at the word, listen, don't lose me, if you look at the word Judah, it's Yod, Hey, They, the D is added to the word Judah, and then H, Hey. So, in the word Judah, it sounds like the word God, almost. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Everybody look up here. Everybody look up here. Y H V. They added the D H. Judah is almost the name for the word Jehovah. Almost. It's very similar. But the difference between the two words is that for Judah, they've added the word D. The word D, the English word D that we know of in Hebrew is actually the word that means door. So in other words, what God was doing here, when Leah was having these babies and she had the last baby, Judah, Judah was actually the door by which the Messiah would come in the lineage. Judah... Judah would be the opening. Judah would be the door by which the Messiah would come through the lineage. And do you recall that in the lineage of Jesus, Jesus' lineage is traced all the way back to Judah because Judah is the, the ancestry tree of Jesus Christ. It was through Judah's lineage, through Judah's tribe, that the Messiah Jesus came forth. 
In other words, Judah was the door that opened up the lineage of Jesus so the Messiah could, have, could come. In other words, what Leah didn't understand was that she was trying to get the approval and the praise of her husband. And God was saying, I'm working something out for your good. Go ahead and keep having those babies because the last baby you're going to have is not going to be for your husband, but I'm going to use that baby so that the Messiah could come through the lineage and the, come on somebody, the lineage of Jesus Christ. So it was the door. And what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. If Judah represents praise, then praising God could actually open a door in your life that can no man open up. Woo! I said praise can open a door when Jacob can't open a door. Jacob couldn't open the door for him. Laban can't open the door for him. But God said, through your praise, I'm going to open a door by which no man can shut and no man can open. Because when you praise God in your pain, you produce a supernatural door in the heavenlies for me to work and operate in your life. Can somebody wave your hand and say, preach on, preacher. You see, ladies and gentlemen, what you fail to realize is that it's easy to come to church and not magnify God. The reason we are here is because it's called morning worship. That's what, that's what it's called. It's called worship. We've come today not to pacify you or to try to rearrange the service so it can make you feel good. The service is arranged to worship the one and true and living God. And when you fall in your responsibility to worship God, it's amazing what praise will do. You see, why do we have to praise God? Because you were created to worship God. You were created to praise God. You were created to bring forth glory to God. You were created to be a billboard for God's glory. And when you begin to express praise to God in spite of your pain, in spite of the disapproval of other people, God was saying, I'm going to do for you what nobody can ever do for you. Hallelujah. I'm going to open a door for you. You see, what Leah failed to realize, she in herself was trying to open a door she was trying hard to open doors, doors of love, doors of affection, doors. God was saying, Leah, you got it. I know, I know it's okay to be loved by your husband. He ain't ever going to love you because it's a heart thing. His heart is not for you, Leah, but my heart's for you. And Leah, I want to teach you a lesson in this. Maybe, church, what God is trying to do in our life is to teach us some things. And yet some of us, we are under a cloud of rejection and a cloud of disapproval and a cloud of, you get the point. Maybe in your rejection and in your pain, God is trying to teach you a lesson. You ever thought about that? 
Have you ever thought about maybe you are where you are spiritually is because maybe it's the, the deep night of the soul. Maybe God wants to do something in you and yet He is willing for you to submit under His mighty hand. And when you try to open doors yourself and you try to create opportunities and you try to do it yourself, you'll fall flat on your face. Just like King Nebuchadnezzar tried to bring glory to himself, but in the end, he was brought low and ate grass. I promise you, God will get the glory in the end. Maybe in our pain and in our rejection and our seeking of approval of other people, maybe God is saying, I am trying to do something in you. Oh, listen, we all want approval of people, don't we? I mean, that's, that's good and fine. But there are just sometimes you just never get it. You just won't get it. God is saying, what I want to do is I want to position you in life where people don't complete you. But I've become your completion. You hear me? I stand before you not to harp on my testimony, but I stand before you to tell you that he's been a great dad to me, a great mother to me. He's been a great aunt to me. He's been a great family member. He's been a great savior to me. And yet, I long to have approval of people. So don't you. But I've learned one thing, that life's too short to wait on the approval of people. If they do it, it's good. But I ain't going to wait for it. I've got one purpose and goal, and that is to give God the glory with my own life. Hallelujah. And in closing today, Judges chapter 20, the Bible says that Judah was in a battle. Judges chapter 20, verse 18. Israel, excuse me, was in a war with the Benjamites. And this is what happens. Then the children, they were in a war, and they began to seek God. God, what are we supposed to do? And then the children of Israel arose and went to the house of God to inquire of the Lord. And that's what you should do. When you need some answers, you don't stay away from the house of God. You go to the house of God. And then they said, which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of the Benj Benjamin? And he, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, Lord said, you're going in a battle, but your battle will never be won if you lean upon the approval of other people. You've got to send your praise before you. You've got to send worship before you. You've got to... And when you send it before you, it fights for you. So the Lord said, go ahead and send Judah first. Because when you send Judah first, I'll fight your battle for you. Is there anybody in this building? You know God has fought battles for you. You know that God has wrought the victory in your life. Because you know what praise does? Praise glorifies God. It makes Him bigger in your natural eyes, even though He's already bigger. Make His fame glorious. Make his name glorious. Sin, Judah first. It's interesting to me that when Jacob died, he told his boys, he said, boys, 
when you bury me, I want you to bury me beside of my first wife, Leah. The scripture tells us that they laid him down with his forefathers and they buried him beside of Leah and not Rachel. Because in his death he realized looks is great, beauty is wonderful, but beauty fades. But there's one thing that will never fade, and that's the character of praise in somebody's heart. That woman, that woman, that woman taught me to serve God when I did her a disservice. That woman taught me that when people don't love you and people have rejected you, she taught me to stand firm. She taught me not to give up. I served all those years just to get a beautiful woman when actuality what I really needed I needed to be married to a praiser. I need to be married to somebody who knows how to pray through. Somebody who knows how to give God glory. The Bible says they laid him down in the earth beside of his first wife, Leah. Boy, that was the battle of the brides, wasn't it? That was the battle of the brides. And there is a battle today. And it's still the battle of the brides. The scripture records in the book of Revelation that you and I are the bride of Christ. And we are engaged in a battle. Battle of the brides, aren't we? You've got to Learn that this bride who is called the Christ, we seek our bridegroom's approval and only his approval. And we're not going to be married to the world. That is not. That's the other bride. The other bride is the world. The church is the true bride. You've got to make up your mind. Make up your mind. May the Lord add the blessing to the preaching of the Word of God.